Delay is not denial. That, that's in the Bible. Keep going. I'm sorry. Keep going. Well, I go home and he says, can I call you for breakfast? I said, well, it's late already. I'm going to sleep in. Call me around noon. He called me at 9 a.m. And I said, hello. He's like, are you ready to go for breakfast? I said, no. Call me back at noon. And the early bird up. gets the worm. Hung up. So hung up on you. You did. You did. That didn't faze me. Uh-huh. And then I turned the phone on. I turned the phone on. <laughs> and I turned it back on until noon. And, it, and, it, and at 12 01, at 12 01, yes, 12 it did ring. I never imagined my journey would inspire people all over the world. Hello. My name is Nema and I'm from Zambia. So I love the Dear Future Wifey podcast. For me to see people being so real, so honest, and so true about the real situations in life. Hey, I'm Natalie from Belgium and I would like to, to say thank you. I value your content because it is Christ-centered. You have set a standard in love. Dear Future Wifey podcast has um, opened my understanding. I highly recommend that everyone, whether you're single, you're married, you're divorced, you're widowed, everyone to go follow this podcast. Continue with me as I discover, uncover, and recover love. I'm Latera R. Whitfield, and welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm your host, Latera Sarr Whitfield. Listen, if you haven't subscribed to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast channel, what are you waiting for? Stop shacking up with us and subscribe. Today's episode, I have such a dynamic couple, and there's nobody better fit to have on the podcast uh, for this season, especially, than this dynamic couple. This brother you, you've been a fan of his plays for several years, his movies. He's an author. Um, and he is the writer and director of the biggest film out in the world right now. If y'all don't know that film, I don't know where y'all been. That film is called Jingle Jangle. Um, and they say behind every great man is a great woman. But I'm going to say behind this great man is an even greater woman. And this woman, uh, she's his co-producer. She's a producer of theater, film, and television. She's an author. She's a mom. And um, she's his loving wife. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. My homies, my partners, David E. Talbert and Lynn Sisson Talbert. How y'all doing, family? What's up? What's up? What's up? Let me tell you something. I have watched y'all throughout the years, and I'm just so excited to introduce uh, y'all to the audience of the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Here on the Dear Future Wifey podcast, we keep it lit where we live intentionally and transparently. And there's no other couple that I realize or I feel exudes that than the Talberts. And I just love what y'all doing. Y'all are so amazing. So um, I asked Lynn earlier, what makes y'all so unique as a couple? And what'd you say, Lynn? I said, there's no better us than us because we we can't be anyone but ourselves and neither can anyone else. So it's just about us being ourselves. 
I think that that is the epitome. Oftentimes when we show up in relationships, our representatives show up and uh, we have to authentically be who we are. And then when people fall in love with a real authentic you, then you have a dynamic relationship. Richard had to begin in a relationship now. You can't be, but so honest. She came over to my house and, and in Vegas and, uh, and she looked into the cabinet and there was this Captain Crunch uh, cereal and, and Peter Pan peanut butter. She said, oh my God. Captain Crunch is my favorite too. And Peter Pan, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Of course we should be together. I love you. I love you too. And Captain Crunch and Peter Butter. Now, that was my boy Bootsy's Captain Crunch cereal and peanut butter. Peter Pan, Pan beer butter. Because I don't eat that stuff. And he was coming over at the house hanging out. But look, if she liked it, I loved it. So it was I good. Didn't find out until two years after we were married, when Bootsy came and stayed with us to hang out for a minute, and he went to the grocery store, and in his grocery bag was a box of Captain Crunch and a jar of Peter Pan peanut butter, and I said, And sealed the deal. It was too late, the ink was dry, it was done. So sometimes, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do to land in big planes, <laughs> you know, you know, so. Oh my God, that is so doggone cool. Um, um, one of the things that I say I admire about y'all is that y'all are not just lovers, but y'all are business partners. Um, and so that's so cool because oftentimes it's hard for people to do business and relationships uh, together. So David Talbot, take me back to how long did it take you to write such a dynamic film as Jingle Jangle? It, believe it or not, I started writing in 1997. Wow. I was a musical. And um, I come to Lynn, like, I, I got the music. This is the, like the best music ever. I was like, you love it? She's like, you know, in the church, when my mother said, that's all right, baby, let the Lord use you. You know, when you can't sing or play the instrument or, or you forget all the Lord's prayer, that's all right, baby, the Lord gonna bless you. So that's what, that was what Lynn did uh, for me. And so I kept doing that year after year and trying to figure it out and couldn't figure it out. And then our son was born. And I realized it wasn't the music really that was stopping me. It was, I needed to see life through a child's eyes again, you know, and, and, and remind me what imagination was like. And once I did that, I became a, a big kid again. You know, and um, and that's really what three years, seven years ago. But then, you know, that really started the process of really it, it becoming what it is today. Let me ask you this. How does it feel? How does it feel to create something that is timeless, is revolutionary and is transcending? I mean, people, a lot of my friends have watched this movie numerous times. How does that feel? To be honest, we're still figuring it out, that feeling. It's so new and uh, we're so grateful. I mean, for David to read, you know, the Los Angeles Times and the New York Times and to give these amazing raving reviews and love letters, it's something he always dreamed of. And to be in this position to do a project like this and for it to be so well received, it is truly a dream come true. So we're still kind of 
figuring out what 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 is this? What is this feeling? What you know? What's next? You know? Um, but it, it it's been amazing. It's been amazing because it it tapped into the kid in us, as David mentioned, and I see that it's tapped into the kid of everyone else. But at the same time, they have taken ownership of it because they are so proud, and it just. It, it makes us feel really good and it shows us that, you know, everything we're, we were doing, it wasn't in vain. And just like in the movie where it starts off saying, you know, all our lives we've waited for this day, the song this day, that is like the soundtrack to our lives because all our lives we waited for this day and it's here. So we're yeah. great. I got sores all on my body and I'm still pinching myself. I mean, every day I'm like, are you serious? Wait a second. <laughs> Are you serious, Pinch? This is real. And, and, and it's just really that. And just overwhelmed. Len and I have been pushing Boulder up the side of a mountain for 22 years. And and even with the plays, you know, they gave us $2 and a ham sandwich and said, make it, you know, make it, make, a look, meal. make it look like Broadway. And we, and we tried our very best every time. And and there's a scripture that said, because you were faithful over few, I'm gonna make you rule over many. And we were faithful over the plays, anything that we've been given a little, we try to make it a lot. And when it was when it came time now, when they gave us a lot, well then, okay, you give us a lot, oh, okay, we're gonna show you what to do with that. And so I'm still just overwhelmed and thankful, grateful, humble, you know. So David, Take me back to the day that you met Lynn. How many years ago was that? That was in 97. That was on Easter Easter night in 97, uh, 23 years ago. Um, I knew I moved to Vegas. I built this uh, house, this bachelor's house. It was, it was laid out. I just, I mean, I had speakers in rocks. I had the palm trees. I mean, jacuzzi, pool. I mean, it was the ultimate. Now, I was, it was Vegas and a bachelor and rich. I mean, I had, I had, I had new cars in the three-car driveway, new Mercedes, new trucks, everything. I was that dude. I was really feeling smelling myself, and it smelled really good. And so, and so <laughs> if I could date myself, I would. Yeah. As a matter of fact, her, I knew her aunts from um, Chicago. They'd come to see my plays and everything, and I'd known them for years. And uh, they kept saying, uh, when I moved to Vegas, they said, well, you, you know, you don't know anyone there. You should go over to my sister's house, her mother, and get some food. I never went. And finally, um, on Easter of 97, she called and said, get your ass over there. She's got two daughters. And I said, well, well, well shoot, why didn't you say stuff? Let me just, let me just, let me, I had hair there. Let me fix my hair up. And so I went, um, I went over that night to her mother's house to drop off some DVDs of plays and T-shirts and just to kind of, and I looked on the wall and I saw the sisters. I said, oh, these, this is Okay. Uh, she said, well, what are you doing for dinner tonight? I said, nothing. She said, well, my brother, my son is having dinner and you come over there and meet the family. I'm like, I'll be right there. So I went and, and, and I said, okay. 
And I went over there that night and I saw her sister is 10 years, is my age. Uh, Lynn's 10 years younger than me. Her sister is my age. So I guess they were trying to hook up me with her sister. That's what they thought. I saw this young thing over there in that corner. And I said, I said, no, wait a second here. And, 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 and that's when we, you know, started talking at night and we started hanging out ever since 23 years later. We got engaged three months later. Hold on. So you got engaged three months after meeting her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They say that a man knows when he knows. And so you knew. How soon did you know that she was the one? Was it the first date, the second date? How soon was it? Three weeks. I called my boy. I, I, I called my boy, um, Chuck. It was uh, Chuck uh, three weeks after we met. And, um, and uh, the Tyson fight was was the, the second rematch was I think was about to happen with Tyson and um, Holyfield. Holyfield. And so they like that's what they would come to my house to hang out and the shenanigans and everything. They're like, "Yo, get my bed ready, leave the keys uh, in there, give me the code. We gonna bid in there. And it's gonna be you might not want to be there this weekend because it's gonna be on." And I'm like, yo, man, you can't come to my house this weekend. Y'all can find a hotel on the strip. Like, what are you talking about? I said, man, I have met this this woman. And he's like, oh. I said, man, her name is Lynn. I said, I said, Chuck. He said, I think I'm gonna have to marry this girl. He's like, how long have you known? I was like, three weeks. He's like, married? I said, I know. I said, I think I gotta marry this girl. And that was after three weeks, I knew. Lynn, what'd you think after three weeks, him knowing that you were the one? Was that odd to you or were you like, that's a real man? No, I mean, look, I was 22 years old, you know, a junior in college at the time. And and it's funny because I actually had told my mother, I said, my sister, you know, um, had... She wasn't married yet. There were no grandchildren yet. That's all I know. And I'm the baby. So um, I remember telling my mother, like, look, don't be tripping if I don't get married. You know, I said, I'm not really trying to conform to other people's, you know, views and society. And I'm going to make my motion and what works for me. So don't really be tripping about that. I literally had just probably told her that the week before because it, it's not that I wasn't I was against it. It's just that it wasn't something I was searching for. So many friends searching to get married, searching for their husband, all that, and that just wasn't me. Um, so I just I just wanted to let it go, let it flow, right? Just enjoy my life. I, you know, about to be a senior in college. She was unconsciously searching for me. She no, just didn't know it. No. That's a sign of a good man. I knew it. I saw it in her eyes. She was like searching. I'm no. searching. I'm searching. I won't admit it. I won't say it. I'll say it, but I'm searching. No. I'm searching. I'm searching. No. And, I, and I answered that call. I answered that call. Amen. It's like a dog whistle. You know, you, know, you hear that high pitch. I heard it. I heard it. She was searching. She was searching. When you're not looking, that it happens. You know, it's when you're not looking. So when I met David on Easter, it was very funny. He comes in the house and we, it was, we did a potluck that year. And he comes in and you can see all the women huddling over there in the kitchen with him. 
me and my roommate were looking like, what are they doing in there? His little and showing his toes to them and how he, how he has nice feet and all this stuff. And they're just like, it was ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. And you got to do what you got to do, Lataris. I, I happen to have really, really nice toes. No. And so if that was going to get me where I needed to get to, then I'm going to leave with it. I took my it's shoes really and my socks off. You really and, well, I, it was, it was But so anyway, he came over to me at the end of the evening. We ended up talking. He, we were listening to some, uh, Nat King Cole was playing over the speakers at my brother's home. And he said to me, he goes, what's your favorite uh, what's your favorite version of Nature Boy? And, you know, I, I play the sax and I love jazz and all of that. And so he, I said, you know, my favorite version uh, is the Nat King Cole version. I love the Nat King Cole version of Nature Boy. He goes, I got a version of Nature Boy you have to hear. You've never heard it. And so then the Machiavelli album had come out that year. And we were talking about the Machiavelli album. And I asked him, have you heard the Machiavelli album? He was like, no. I was like, oh my God. I said, well, you give me the new Nature Boy, and I'll give you the Machiavelli album, we'll swap, and you can share, right? Mm -hmm. And we were like, OK. So that evening, we were, he says, um, why don't we switch it to me? I just live close fire river. And I said, OK. So we did. We ended up talking the whole night. And that's why I needed a midnight snack of Captain Crunch. <laughs> And, My favorite cereal. Yeah, it's a lot. Remember that you know how you like close you close your eyes for a second because it was so late, and I feel this hand go across my face, and I'm like, I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta go home, gotta go home. You know, this ain't going down. It ain't like that. It ain't that type of party. So I go home. Yeah. Oh, keep going, keep going. Delay is not denial. That's that's in the Bible. Keep going. I'm sorry, keep going. And he says, Can I call you for breakfast? I said, Well, it's late already. I'm gonna sleep in. Call me around noon. He calls me at 9 a.m. And I said, Hello. He's like, Are you ready to go for breakfast? I said, No, call me back at noon. Now, the early bird gets the worm. Hung up. Hung up on you. You did, you did. That didn't phase me. Uh-huh. And then I, I turned the phone. I had redial. But I turned the phone. <laughs> and I didn't turn it back on until noon. And, it, and, it, and at 12.01, at 12.01. Yeah, 12.01, it did ring. And we went out to breakfast and had a good time. And literally three months later, he asked me to marry him. And I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't looking for it. But I said, hey, you know, why not? I, I do believe in in moving with things that you feel, especially when you're young. And I, my dad was asking me, and he said, you know, Lynn, are you sure about things? Is this what you want to do? And I said, the only way I could explain it where he could understand was I said, Daddy, you know that song that Gladys Knight sing, Midnight Train to Georgia? He said, yes. I said, you remember the part when you said, and when she says, I'd rather live in his world and live without him in mind. And he finished it with me and he understood. So here we are 22 years later. 22 years later. That is absolutely beautiful. Dave, you said you had redial. <laughs> See? 
Man, let me tell you something. Especially during this COVID season, a lot of marriages are ending because they just can't deal with the company of each other. A lot of people are finding financial hardships. Uh, was there ever times during y'all marriage where y'all face a rough time where y'all almost called it quits? Um, I think we, we have, you know, it's, it's tough. Marriage can be very difficult sometimes, especially when you're bringing in two full personalities, you know, strong personalities. You know, they say it's 50-50, but it's not. It's 100-100. Mm-hmm. And so, um, We've had our moments because we were both still growing. Mm-hmm. And, and we still are growing. Yeah, we're still you know? growing. But you, I think relationships are when you come to the conclusion that you're better together than you are when you would be apart. That's the, the, the total, the sum total of what you can accomplish together is, is more than you could accomplish on your own. And, um, and that's what keeps you, you know, for. I think in relationships, you have to have a certain bit of selfishness to say that this person makes me better. And without that person, I wouldn't be the best version of myself. And that's what that's what Lynn has done for me for 22 years and continues to do. She makes me better and she makes everything so answer this, David. When when you look at your single self when you were, you know, as a producer and a writer, and now you see your married self, what did you see different? What, what dynamic did she add that made you better as a producer, writer, and director? Well, it's a, a POV. In film, it's a POV. It's a point of view. And um, when you're in the midst of it, you don't have a chance to look at yourself from move the camera back to see a, a, a different point of view. So I only had my perspective of how I saw the world and how the world saw me based on my POV. And when Lynn came along, she had a wider POV and she said, well, wait a second, this is really how you are in the world. This is really what the world is. This is really how the world sees you. And it changed everything. From the first time she came to my plays, I would cast the same people over and over and over again. And she said to me, you know, are you running a repertory group? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Why do you have the same people? I'm like, because these are the people that are good. She says, they're okay. And I said, I looked at her, this is early in the marriage. I could have, you know, this was, I had to think about this thing. No, this is before we got Yeah, I'm like, I'm looking at her, like, thinking about this thing. And like, you know, she going to check me like that. But she checked me, she challenged me to, did you want, do you want to be the better version of yourself? And that was probably a moment for me and for her, because had I responded differently, that would let her know who this dude was. Oh, he ain't interested in growth. <laughs> There's a concrete, that, that ground, that dirt is concrete. And so she challenged me at the very beginning and I'm like, well, I don't think there's anyone better. And she said, well, why don't you, have you ever held an audition? I'm like, why would I do that? She said, to see what else is out there. So we held our first audition for Mr. Right Now and the people that I saw, I'm like, I didn't know. He came and I'm like, wow, they can really, I'm like, I didn't know. And she didn't say to me, told you so. You don't know if you're talking about none of that. She says, you see, you just have to be open. And that really just started the process for me of not only being open about my work, but being open about my life and the kind of people 
need to have in it, the kind of people I don't need to have in it anymore. And so she has been and continues to be a shield around me and give me that POV, you know. You said a shield. That's interesting. Why you why you choose the word shield? How is he a shield around you? Because before I met Lynn, you could attack me at all sides. And and you could get to me any way you want to. I got I got daddy issues and mommy issues. So I'm a hot, broken mess of emotional uh, dysfunction. So you could you could dangle something, one thing and one thing and get me to react emotionally. People could people could control me based on uh, my emotions. But with Lynn around, well, she was my go to always. So then she would give me her perspective on things. So it, it, it stopped people from it stopped people from being able to attack me at all sides because you had to go through Lynn and you're not getting through Lynn, you know, unless you are, unless you have the right, um, the right uh, intention, you're not going to get through Lynn. So therefore you can't get to me, which then keeps me safe and free to create, to download uh, these ideas, these thoughts, without all these shenanigans and people around me attacking my gifts, and so she has been a shield for me and continues to be. Man, and that's beautiful. Artist, you know, being an artist, you're easily affected by your surroundings, and so he has to protect his creative space. And it's not like I'm standing there like a guard or anything like that. It's just that I want him to be comfortable in the environment to be able to create. And, you know, I was fortunate to have my father in my life, you know, and my father did not have an easy little all. So I understood baggage that came with him, even though I wasn't fully aware of it until I was an adult of my own father's baggage because he helped protect that from me. Um, and so to see that I could have compassion and understand that you know he needs to know how valuable he is and how talented he is and the people there should be uplifting him and not tearing him down now challenging someone is different than tearing them down so we can challenge each other and we can push each other to be better but it's not about ripping them apart and then trying to build them up again you know you got to understand what you're ripping down because you don't know what's behind it when you pull it down you know, Lynn, so you said a word. That's a word. That's powerful. That is powerful. You don't know what you're tearing down. You don't know what's behind what you're tearing down. Right. Where, where did that come from? So, yeah, I'm sorry. I said, where did that come from? Where did that ideology come from? It comes, like I said, it comes from. I realized how fortunate I am in my own family and the relationships that I've been able to cultivate um, and and my closeness with my own mother and father um, because that was protection for me and that made me feel like I could do anything and that I always had somebody that loved me at the end of the day, no matter what. And having that, I probably take it for granted having it because David didn't necessarily have it. So when I see other people that don't have that unconditional love, that that thing where no matter what, you can always come home, 
You know what I mean? You can always come home, no matter what. That's something. And I realized that, I understood that, because you know, it was always preached in my family, it's about your family. And so that's what I wanted to bring to our relationship. That's all I knew. And so I know that that was difficult and challenging and sometimes for him because it's about a trust. It's about, uh, 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 is this real? And, and or, or are they going to attack me at some point? So we, we have managed a lot of those emotions and, and feelings and they rear up because, you know, we're human beings, you know, we're not robots. You wish you could be programmed some of that, but you can't. So we're, at the end of the day, we continue to try to just do the best we can. And we want to put good in the world because we want to receive good. And we realize that sometimes things are just less lessons for us when, when stuff is truly hard and difficult and hurtful and painful. Um, and, and I've learned a lot and he's, he's showed me to be a little bit tougher because I do have an open heart and, um, it, it's unfathomable, unfathomable for me that someone would intentionally hurt you. I don't have a concept of that because that's not who I am. So when it happens, I, I just am really affected and David is like, you gotta let that go. You know, sometimes it's just a lesson for you. You know, so we exchange in that way, you know, the things that he, he's been through teaches me things and the things that I've been through teaches him things. And so it, that's kind of the, the, the chess that we play with each other. That is so, so, so dope. <clears throat> David, in 2006, you came to my wedding. Um, in 2015, I got a divorce in the 2000 and well, the end of two, or December the 29th of uh, 2015, December the, uh, 2015, I got a divorce and I told you about it shortly after. And you jokingly said something that created, um, I'll say a bar in my mind. First of all, you said, listen, you went and got a divorce. You owe me. You need to reimburse me for my flight. <laughs> you need to reimburse me for my hotel stay, oh, for my hotel stay. <laughs> And when I and and you jokingly said that, but that meant a lot to me. It, it, it set a standard for whenever I decide to get married again, which I believe will be soon. But a lot of people are there when you get married, and a lot of people are invested in your marriage, um, whether they buy you a gift, whether they even invest in spending their time with you. And so when you said that to me, you don't realize how impactful that was to me because ever since you said that back in uh, uh, 2016. I've thought about that and I said, I have to be extremely intentional when I choose again, taking on a bride and taking on a wife, because there are people who have made investments and spending flights to come see it or uh, spending money on a hotel room. And then, you know, almost 10 years later, I filed for divorce. And you said that and that resonated with me. Uh, what made you say that? I know you joke about a lot of stuff, but what made you say that? I think just because marriage has become transactional and disposable. Yes. And it's become about a day on how wonderful you can make this day. But marriage doesn't start uh, on that day. Marriage starts the day after. Marriage is what you do to, to stay married. Anybody can get married. I can't say that when I play, but anybody can get married. But the real magic is can you stay married? 
And, and it's, you know, for me, it's you, when I look at you, I look at you as a little brother. And there's so many mistakes that I made in my life and there's more I will make, but I share them with you. Um, just anecdotally, anecdotally and, uh, and comedically, but sincerely so that you don't have to make those same mistakes. And um, I wish even in my life, and before I got married, I had, you know, you go to the past and they say, well, what y'all need to do is you need to leave and cleave and you save all the, all that mumbo jumbo. But none of that stuff sticks when it comes time to really have to look at somebody and say, do I really want to stick with you? And, uh, but it's just like a marathon runner. I remember when I used to get ready for, um, to play basketball in high school and we used to have to run the mile uh, in a certain amount of time. And when I first started, I'm like, every time I got that first lap, I'm like, oh, that second lap, oh, that third lap, I would stop, I'm like, I can't do it. And the coach said to me, you know it gets easier the, if you keep going because your body has built up its, its tolerance, its endurance, and, and, but you have to get to that point where you can push past the pain and go into cruise mode. And that's the same thing about relationships. It's just like running that month. Yeah, it's gonna kick your butt going around that first lap. It may kick it around going a second lap and a third lap. But if you get to pass that pain, you can get in a certain cruise control where you know what it's gonna be. You know um, what it's gonna take to, to, to press through. So that's why I was sharing you know, with you because it was a, it was a beautiful uh, uh, lady that you married. It was a beautiful sermon. Uh, the chicken was a little uh, um, tough. The chicken was a little tough, but it was beautiful. Other than that, other than that, um, uh, you know. But, but what what's important is is for you as you move forward, brother. Is is look at Lynn and I. And others example, and it hasn't been easy, and it and it may continue to have issues, but we know each other. Yes. We can push past the pain, and we can continue to run this race because we know where the finish line is. I want to look at this woman the last breath I breathe. Uh, my son, uh, I love that boy. I'm gonna kick him out the room. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say to you, I love you, boy. You take this legacy, you take these genes, and you make something good out of yourself. And get out of my room and talk to you. Look at her. I'm gonna tell you thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna look at it, tell her thank you. And that's the that's the finish line. You know, thank you. They had been perfect, but thank you. And and, and that, that's what it's about, brother. And I want the same thing for you. I'm gonna try my best not to cry right now. Uh wow. Yeah. Um yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to uh, pour into me over the years, uh, ever since 2002 when I had my first play. So for, shoot, 18 years, uh, you've been a constant friend. Um, I'm a words of affirmation type of dude. And so one of the most impactful things that you ever did was when you dedicated a blog on your um, website about me and talked about how impactful my play was and and you know, uh, the level of talent that I had. And that meant a lot to me because I looked up to you and I was like, this guy 
this is this is what I aspire to be as a writer, as a director. Um, he's next level. And I I mean, it was no other playwright. You know, I was like, this is I used to watch all your plays on VHS. And when you called me, um, when our mutual friend AK connected us, I was like, this is David Talbot. And I was so excited. I felt like I had made it. I felt like I had arrived when I heard your voice on the other side. And I was like, all right, I'm doing something right. And um, so I just want to thank you. And, I, and, and Lynn, I thank you for being constant, uh, been a constant friend. Y'all are amazing. And you don't realize the impact that y'all having on people just by y'all being who y'all are. And so I've been gleaning a lot throughout the years. And I'm just proud of y'all. I respect y'all a lot. I love y'all. I adore y'all. Um, and, and I made up for that little dry, that dry chicken with that turkey I sent you, that green bird turkey, a couple of Christmases ago. Huh? Huh? Now you remember that, don't you? <laughs> Thank you, Thank you so much. Listen, I love you. I love you. Man, I love y'all too. I'm an artist, uh, as an entrepreneur, businessman, but most importantly, I'm proud of you as a man. I'm proud of you as a man. You know, to take time to father children, be there, and and I'm that's that's what I'm most proud of, man. That's what the that's what the heavens are smiling down. Anytime you need me, brother, you got it. I appreciate you. So, listen, y'all give it up before I break down crying all the way to my homies, David and Lynn Talbot. Thank y'all so much for joining us. Love you. Love you. Love you. Wow. I mean, I have to admit, this episode really touched me in a unique way. I don't know what happened, but... Uh, I did good. I was about to break down and cry. It was something that happened when David Talbert began to pour into me. It's like I got a glimpse of, you know, the brevity of marriage and the requirement, and it's definitely not to be taken lightly. And so as I continue on this journey, I want you all to continue joining me on this journey, and let's elevate our thinking and really intentionalize what it is that we desire from our future spouses we're patient enough to choose wisely so that we can make it till death do us part. That's the goal. Hashtag till death do us part. Now, this letter is a very intimate one. Dear future wifey, I'm writing this letter on December the 19th, 2020. Two years ago on this date, I walked away from a toxic situationship that unfortunately lasted almost three years. The pain caused from that heartbreak actually increased your appraisal and makes me value you even more. From a broken heart, purpose was produced. Submission was stabilized. Love was elevated. I refuse for you to inherit shattered pieces. You will be gifted with Lateris 3.0. Trinity edition, a man reconstructed by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. My eternal lover, I want you in ways you've never been wanted. I want to serve your heart and anticipate your needs and desires. Our relationship will be effortless. Though I expect rough patches, the rough patches will be delicately woven into our love quilt. Our love quilt of good and bad moments will comfort us as a symbol of our undying love and serve as a testament we can overcome anything. I'm looking forward 
to the first day of forever. Your future hubby. Thank you for listening to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit. Live intentionally and transparently. And don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family.